Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Anwin and is very, very sweet. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the disgruntled heir who is known as Stephen Bowden, and I'm here today with a very singular member of Tracy's Tigers, who is... Jacqueline Berto in Sanguine, Brittany. And we are, of course, joined by the midweek late Mayfest goers, and that's you, our lovely caller inners email inners and whatsapp inners For this episode, we've had a bumper crop of calls. We hear from Tracy in California, who is most irritated with the Rob and Helen storyline. Shifty Davy, who's back after a long absence, who has a plot prediction. Claire from Clapham, who does not care a jot about Jim's glasses. Glynn, who feels sorry for Rob. Well, sort of. Andrea, oh no, who wants to talk about lovely, lovely ferrets. Rob Williams, who thinks that we should replace Rob Titchener with a new super hit villain, and he's got an idea. Bernadette, who thinks it's been a very weird week in Ambridge. Chris, oh, with a lovely Scottish voice, who also has views on Jim's glasses. Steve, who's a first-time caller winner, hooray, who is picking up on a heated debate from last week. Our Q, who is Brian's biggest fan. Well, who is he? Catherine who has a prediction about Brian, Stella and Justin, and the very over-past-the-post late-minute call-in from Witherspoon, who has replaced Angus Haggis with his old friend Pat. They're in agreement about Freddie and Adam. We also have Tweet of the Week from Purple Pumpkin, our Theo, and we have the social media roundup from Sue. But first, let's look at the week in Ambridge from our Suey, Queen or Tart. So, hello lovely people, it's Siri, Queen or Tart on the Twitters here and another week in Ambridge. I'm reducing this week to a set of bullet points and also for once I'm recording it very early on Friday, well before the Friday night episode, as I will be buried in exploring historical events in contemporary time and drinking margaritas, which are not conducive to recording, I feel. So, Jim has lost his glasses on the stag night, which led to an accurate cricket score and the potential for a random fire due to the magnifying lenses later in the week. Eddie had much fun with ferrets, and Clary's crocheted ferrets sold like hot ferrets. Well, they would. The trustees postponed making any decisions about Freddy. He was rather miffed and decided to take his bat home. Adam called Brian at Blossom Hill College to talk about sheep shearing, but really because it was his and Jennifer's anniversary. And Brian discovered Stella's purchase of the new disc drill. Adam claimed it was now to do with him. 
Harrison advised that the Crown Prosecution Service have decided not to charge Rob with kidnapping Jack. Tony wanted him to hound her through the courts, but Helen decided not to invest her time and energy in doing so. Harrison is going to commune with nature for the next 30 days, as will Jazza and Tracy. Sounds like this should work very well for them all. I hope nature will get something out of it too. Adam told Ian not to admit he might have told Bella to spend the money. I would not be her right now. I reckon she's walking into a big ambush on Friday. There is much speculation on where Jimmy's glasses ended up as the stag party went for a meal and then to Chuck's Chips Burger Van. Oh, that sounds great. So they could be anywhere. Surely Jim has an older pair of glasses, possibly held together with tape. Most people do. They may or may not be on a dog statue in Borchester. And also, they might be back in his house, according to Alistair. I think he needs a tracker for whatever replacement he gets. You can get them readily enough from online retailers. Rob, or possibly concerned of Felpersham, have dobbed in the dairy and a a health inspector showed it up. Nothing wrong, but it sounds like this is how it's going to be from now on. Pat offered to give Helen and Lee a night off from the boys. He offered not to go to San Francisco, and she told him to get to Weatherfield and have a pint in the Rover's return. Ardil bonded with Brian over spousal death and ferrets. Then he gave Oliver a right rollicking, or something like that, about letting Tracy in her entourage into Grey Gables for her hen night, as he's not the sole owner anymore. Ardil feels violated, which seemed a bit excessive, to be honest. So to Friday night and the trailer says there's a showdown at home farm and a mystery is solved for Jim so I'm going out on a limb here there will be cage fighting between Adam and Stella with mud wrestling to the death and Jim will find out that his glasses are in a cupboard with the missing bunting that he definitely had nothing to do with time will tell until next week then my lovelies and I hope it's a good one What a week in Ambridge. Bit of a mixed week. I think some of the episodes were somewhat below par. And, well, I'm not going to say anything about Jim's glasses because we've got several people who are going to chip in on that particular topic. Jolly good. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, so Sue very, very kindly recorded this for us because she's away. So she's made predictions. Did you see the story of who was involved with that? That's my only question about this. Because you're very good at spotting things, I know. You mean about the Jim's glasses yeah. bit of it? Uh, no, I thought that was just totally ridiculous. Yeah. I thought that the whole um, Susan hiding it and not saying anything was weird. Yeah. I, I found Susan a bit of a weird character, for, uh, portrayed as a weird character for the last two weeks. She's been with Tracy's Hen Knight, with, with Ardeal, with you know, every, every interaction she's had with people. It's all been a bit odd. Even with Lee this week, she was a bit of a peculiar, kind of fish out of watery. I don't know why. So it, it just irritated me at the end of the glasses story. So I'm very glad that's over. But, you know, this is a typical Nick War- Warburton week. The scriptwriter often models things up which are pretty important to the general story with a load of crap frankly sorry i didn't say that out loud <laughs> well i guess he has to work with the, within the constraints of what he's been given by the yeah. editors so he i i think he writes very well it's just what he has to write that sometimes is a bit yeah exactly i mean we can't just blame one person it is a whole team thing a bit like us lot really <laughs> absolutely so you've been come back from an island trip well it was i was in sweden for work so i thought i would extend beyond the time i actually had to be in stockholm and went out to the orland islands which are a bit of finland in the middle of the baltic and uh, had a great time cycling around mostly around the main island and the, the very ones that are very close and linked by bridges there are lots of islands linked by ferries but i didn't get that far and then I came back, had a brief side trip to Gothenburg, oh. and then flew home. Wow. Wow. What a week you've had. How about yours? Well, I've been having a week, a very busy week, but I managed to get away for almost 24 hours yesterday because my sister and her husband are classic car owners, and they've been down to the Pyrenees, and they were pl- passing within 300 kilometres of my house and staying in a hotel on Thursday night. So we decided to uh, have a, a night in the same hotel, catch up and yesterday morning I had the pleasure of having three hours sitting in 
a Fraser Nash in a very, very cold wind as my sister, who I've never seen drive anything more than, uh, well, I've seen her driving another classic car they've got, but this Fraser Nash, it's like, it's like a box on solid tires with a gear stick, which is on the outside of the door. And every little town you go to now in France is surrounded by a rockard with roundabouts. And you have to get a bit of impetus going, oh my God, I laugh my head off. But she was amazing. I'm so impressed with my baby sister. So uh, we had uh, sister bonding like Stella had, except despite the fact that it was cold covered in clouds i've managed to burn thoroughly my forehead and you can probably see see Stephen. it is bright red <laughs> it is looking a bit pink exactly. and it's very unusual for me to get burnt so there we go so that was my end of the week which was wonderful jolly good well we have as you said a, a whole bumper crop of calls so we had probably better get on with them starting with this Hello, Ambridge3962. And I think we're going to start with Tracy from California. Hello, Tracy from California here. Okay, so the storyline that I'm most irritated with <laughs> currently <laughs> is the, the whole Helen Rob situation, and I'm sure I'm not alone. First of all, why wasn't Rob arrested in the first place when he tried to kidnap Jack? I remember that it happened, and then just after it happened... Harrison came up and then Helen was like, well, go get him. And then Harrison was like, don't worry. He'll be a person of interest if he ever comes back in the country. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, has he even made it to the airport? And even if he has, don't they have phones at the airport? You can't call the airport and be like, hey, this dude just tried to kidnap a kid. Um, Bring him in. I've never understood that. And then also like this whole idea of allowing Helen to pretend like nothing is happening so that she can feel better about it. That's really stupid. And anybody who really is her friend should be like Helen, sweetie, pretending like something is not a problem has never worked to mitigate it. That doesn't work with anything. It, it doesn't work even with like ignoring a squirrel in the park. It's going to come closer. <laughs> you just have to like shoo it away. Um, you have to actively do something. You can't just act like it's not an issue so that you can quote unquote you know go on with your lives like normal you can't he's a psychopath you dealt with him you married him you had his kid and now you got to deal with him life is life hon get over it so i wish somebody would just give helen a wake-up call but that just doesn't seem the case and i understand her desire to not want to deal with it but she has to so she needs to just suck it up and get over it and um but i'm very surprised about the whole not charging him with kidnapping thing because England seems into rules. So anyway, that's it. Ta. Tracy called last time I was hosting and at that point her approach was that people should just shoot Rob. So the fact that she's decided that actually the police should be involved is a step in the right direction. Definitely. I think we've converted to more British ways than Californians. But I, I think actually Tony in his fury, which is a bit untony like and I said this last week with Julia, Tony is getting more and more angry, which is a bit out of character. Do you th- do you believe that or am I kind of singing from the wrong songbook? No, I, I, th- I think you're right. This is the only thing that seems to get Tony really spun up. Most of the time he just sort of potters around moaning, of course. Yeah. Well. And and wanting well, he he got a bit upset about the the photo shoot as well, I think. Yeah. So true. He's getting a bit grumpy in his old age. Retirement isn't suiting him. I just hope he's not heading for another heart attack or a stroke. That's true. Something we need to look out for. But um, yes, I think Tony is talking to Helen and saying what he wants. But Pat is very much one that smooths everything over. She covers it in lentil soup and wants things to go easy. She was worried about about Lee this week. She was worried about Helen not getting anxious and getting Rob out of her her mind. But it's impossible for Helen to get Rob out of her mind. Yes, I, I agree. He, he's absolutely living in there all the time. And, and Pat is actually, at least, she was overreacting somewhat initially. She's calmed down a bit. Yes, I like, I like most of these calls have a theme. We'll talk about that at the end. <laughs> OK, shall we move on to our next call, which is from Shifty Davy? 
Hello Jacqueline, hello Julie. It's Shifty Davy here from Fife and other places. I haven't called in for a very long time, but I have been enjoying listening to the show and sometimes enjoying listening to The Archers, although it has been irritating. Recently, I thought that I would come in with a plot prediction. I believe we're coming up to a really big anniversary for the number of episodes for the show. 20,000 episodes or something ridiculous like that. And it just feels to me like Rob is going to get shot. We have Pat with a gun... We have Tony increasingly talking about how can they end this terrible persecution. Helen is at the end of a tether in a cold fury. Lee wants to do anything to help. Uh, Tom is, you know, driven berserk. Natasha as well. uh, There's the window, the window into the dairy, everything. It just feels like, ah, we're going to get somehow Rob will get shot. And then it will just be a question of who has done the dirty deed. I'm kind of hoping that anyway, because, you know, we could spin that out for quite a long time and uh, it'll be a hell of a lot more exciting than, you know, lost bunting. I mean, I suppose the only thing that we would be concerned about is that uh, Harrison, I mean, honestly, it would probably be a good couple of decades before he'd be able to solve it. So they'd probably have to bring in the CID, I suppose. But anyway, I uh, love the show. Thank you very much for carrying it on. And I thank you for listening to my nonsense. (laughs) Nice to have Davey back. I have to say, I don't really agree with him about Rob getting shot. In fact, I think if Rob were to return, it would it would spoil things. There's a fantastic 1950s horror film starring Dana Andrews called The Night of the Demon. And throughout the whole film, you never see the demon that's in the title of the film. What you tend to see is a scrap of paper that, uh, if you get your hands on the scrap of paper, that conjures up the demon. And then right at the very, very end the demon becomes visible and it's 1957 special effects and it's really really disappointing (laughs) Uh, so i i I think that rob much like the demon in that is much more scary by not appearing than he is by appearing and i I would i think it really spoil the storyline if rob were to show up yeah so i don't think he's going to no i agree with you entirely i i don't think he's going to turn up and i don't think there's going to be a shooting but um but i love the way that people predict i love all these plot predictions that we get because in fact people's imaginations plus maybe following lots of people on twitter they get carried away with things which makes it all the more exciting for us when they call in with these things but now i think the twenty thousandth episode which is probably coming this week so we won't get to discuss it will we no it's next friday's episode right. uh, so philippa and quentin will get to dissect that one I th- uh, I th- for dumpty Dump. oh that'd be lovely i'm sure they'll have a lot to say on it but um i think it'll be a heart attack for brian or a heart attack for tony or something like that that's my plot prediction i think well brian is in the um the teasers so i think he'll definitely be involved oh you see i never look at those i i, I even when people post things about it on twitter or facebook i kind of uh, quick turn away i don't want to know i don't want to know what's coming <laughs> oh sorry to spoil that yes, for you. you see that's the trouble with hosting these things people tell me things that i don't know <laughs> Well, we better move on to our next call. Indeed. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. I'm calling in on Thursday evening just after the episode, and I just want to say that, oh, my goodness me, this is one of those weeks where I listen to the Archers and I think, oh, my Lord, I hope this isn't someone's first week of the Archers because it's just been just been a bit bonkers <laughs> and, and, and a bit... I don't know, just off. Like, if I hear one more person asking about Jim's glasses, I am going to freak out. This is ridiculous. He's a sensible man. I love Jim. God bless him. I want more Jim. But I do not care to hear one more time about his bloody glasses. He's surely sensible enough to have at least one spare pair. Put a different pair on and call it quits. I don't know. I don't understand the, the thing. Everyone cares about it. I do not care about Jim's glasses, and I bet I'm probably typical of many other listeners. And then today, we've had this weird sort of uh, information, infotainment thing about, like, Harrison and um, Tracy talking about why they should connect with nature. That feels very bizarre, especially for Tracy, who grew up in the village. I don't know, just not sure she knows something about trees. And then we also had the slightly awkward conversation between Ardell and Brian. I mean, like, that had the potential to be really heartwarming and meaningful, um, 
and yet it kind of wasn't i don't know it was weird yeah so lots lots to disappoint this week but you know we all keep listening because that's what we do so uh yeah keep up the good work speak to you soon <laughs> thank you for that claire now this is what i'm going to say have you noticed Stephen? we've played three calls and everybody's irritated well that's maybe a I mean, that's what we're here for. We're, yeah. we're here as a as a service to listeners <laughs> to allow them to get their irritation off their chest. Yes, and, but um, I think uh, the arches is definitely something that has everybody that listens to it. You can't get away from it, but there's so much about it that's irritating, which is just amazing. Absolutely. And if Claire was irritated by the hunt for Jim's specs so far this week, she'll really have been annoyed by Friday's episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with, with that ridiculous <laughs> denouement. <laughs> So the she mentioned the thirty days wild thing, which is a an annual thing organised by the wildlife trusts around the country. I think there's probably a difference between farming and wildlife, hence the the whole rewilding project. So I'm not sure that you know, Tracy wouldn't necessarily be all about all about wildlife. But it was about nature, wasn't it? So their trial run of eating outdoors in the eating their breakfast outdoors um yeah i could see that if you did something every day or even just spent time looking at a tree or whatever every day make you think about nature and going on i'm having a battle with ants at the moment which have seemed to for the first time ever invaded my kitchen which is really weird because it's a kitchen that's built over the garage on like i don't know where they're coming from they're, they're mountain climbing ants so i've got a question like uh like harrison's how do ants get at 30 feet off the ground i think they walk <laughs> yes i think they do as well like flies on windows so uh, yeah so i think i think that i'd never heard of the whole thing but it's made me uh, somebody on our facebook group posted a link to kin to watch the whole what was it called nature a month in there 30 days wild 30 days wild yeah so i think it was very interesting to look and to look at, at other ideas to do especially if you've got young children that sounds like a good thing yes i think you can send off for activity packs which will give you ideas for things to do and the idea is you just you do one wild thing each day in june mm, very good let's not go too wild then right well our next caller tends not to be that wild because it's our glenn hello dumpty dum it's glenn here first i'd like to say how much i enjoyed hearing julia on the podcast with jacqueline last week and i hope we'll hear her again soon i am enjoying the um variety of presenters at the moment just to take nothing away from past presenters but it's good to hear some different voices now the person i have sympathy with in the arches at the moment is rob titchener well not exactly rob titchener the actor who plays rob titchener because here we have the sequel effectively playing out to the biggest archer story in recent times and Everybody, you know, Helen is getting lots and lots of lines. Anna Tregoran was brought back and got some lines. Even the actor who plays Miles, Rob's almost invisible brother in the first, you know, the first go round, he got a couple of lines. But for the actor who plays Rob, nothing. Natch, nada. If I was him, I'd be pretty upset at this turn of events. It's a bit like Darth Vader had had no lines in The Empire Strikes, in the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Elsewhere, not quite sure where this storyline with Stella and the drill and Adam is going. Could be that Stella comes out of it quite well in the end. Brian may be impressed by her initiative after he's done his research. Anyway, that's enough from me. Thank you very much for the podcast. Please keep it going. Speak to you again soon. So the actor who played Rob was Timothy Watson. Yeah. And yes, I guess it's a pity that he doesn't get to, to come back. But as I said before, I think it would actually spoil the story, which is not about Rob. It's about the version of Rob that's in Helen's head. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about her head. It's about Helen and the after effects of that. There's post-traumatic stress disorder, isn't it, for the whole family? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting how um, the story with Brian and Stella is developing. Dan said he did ring on Thursday, so by Friday we know that Brian had been a bit of a, a bit impulsive, I think, and Adam had been devious. So yes, I was disappointed in Brian because he had spoken to Justin, yeah. and I thought that following that conversation he was going to give Stella a fair hearing. 
but he seemed to have gone into that meeting with his mind fully made up, trusting in Adam, who, remember, has stolen from... Exactly. I felt that that was a very a ridiculous side of that story because she, Brian and Adam fell out big time and Adam left to go and work at Bridge Farm over the theft of the money. And so why would Brian forget that and trust Adam? I know they've bonded a bit since the death of Jenny, but no, I was very irritated by that, especially as, as you say, as Justin had said, if I was you, I'd guard Stella very close or something like that. Yes, he, he definitely suggested that she was a keeper. Yeah. Mm. So we'll have to see how things turn out. It may be that this isn't the end of the story, and it may be that we'll celebrate the 20,000th episode by Brian having a change of heart. Well, I hope so. We we shouldn't talk too much, because I know that there's at least one more. Yes, there is. (laughs) Saying a lot about Brian. Anyway, that's four calls, and if you want to join us, the best and easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com slash dum-ti-dum and don't forget it's a t in the middle and you'll also find a link to that in the show note you can send us a voice note via whatsapp on plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six which is exactly how one of our later callers called in next week philippa and quentin will be recording dum-ti-dum on sunday so please can we have calls and emails in by, I think, a Saturday night. Yeah, I think Saturday afternoon, early evening would be best for Philippa. So please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. And we need your help. There are three things you can do. First of all, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcatcher you use. So please do that right now. Secondly... Please give us a review. It would be hugely appreciated. Well, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts. And of course, a five-star review always goes down well. Finally, the third thing is that you could consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a way of tipping creators and there are different levels with different rewards. If you just go to patreon.com and search for Dumpty Dum, we would be delighted to have your support. You could also go to dumptydum.com and hit the donate button. Now, we continue to need your Dumpty Dums to give us a bank of tunes that we can play in the future. So, if you fancy singing with friends or family, or duetting on Swanee Whistle and Kazoo, or even sending us a jazzy big band rendition of Barwick Green, please send it to us. It'll be most welcome. I think we have a couple that arrived this week, which is fab, but do keep them coming. So, shall we go back to one of these billions of calls again? Okay, next up is... Oh, a fellow Breton, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about one of your favourite subjects. This is Andrea. Hi, Stephen, Jacqueline and lovely Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Andrea from beautiful central Brittany, phoning in this week about the only thing worth commenting on. Of course, ferrets. Yes, at last, they're back. Unfortunately, they were silent. It would have been nice for them to have had a speaking part, but... Silent ferrets is better than no ferrets, as far as I'm concerned. I really like the idea of Clary's knitted ferrets, preferably without clothes, because clothes would just be a bit weird on them. I might possibly allow a little hat to keep the sun off them, or a little woolly hat in the winter to stop them getting chilly. That's fine. The only other thing to comment on is the late Mayfest. I mean, I get it was the 31st of May, so that's as late as May as you can get. <laughs> but would it really have been swarming with people, considering it seemed to have been done at short notice and it wasn't a bank holiday and I don't think it was a school holiday and probably people still have jobs. So that was all of my thoughts. Uh, I hope you're all having a good week. See you next time. So, it was a school holiday because it's half term. Yeah, half term in the UK. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, there would have been people on, but I agree that it was very short notice. And to get such a huge turnout of stalls with very little advertising and very little stuff done. Ambridge Fairy. Ambridge Fairy. But let's get on to the main topic of Andrea's calls ferrets. So, why do you like ferrets so much? Andrea, you're talking to, not me. I can't stand anything like that. I've really said it before. She's taken me to task once before about it. And I love Andrea. She's a great neighbour. She's a fairly close neighbour. But I just don't understand this. Ugh, this love of those things. Disgusting things. Ugh, makes me shudder just thinking about them. Sorry, Stephen, you'll have to talk ferrets. Although I quite like the idea of knitted little little 
things. I think you see, to me, I think Clary actually knitting ferrets to a company's stall is an absolutely brilliant thing because you know me, I'm into my crafts and making things and making the most of things. I would probably have put clothes on them as well. I could bear to knit a ferret, but I couldn't bear to see one in real life. I don't know where Clary would have got the time to knit ferrets, but she seems to conjure up time to do those things. I have a friend who makes needle felt animals not actually ferrets but she does do stoats and weasels so they're very effective there's somebody here a british lady here that does that and you see them all over the place and she made me a oh, I can't, now i can't tell you what she's made me yet because it's my daughter's birthday in a few weeks time <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> cut not. that bit out <laughs> <laughs> well we, you didn't actually say it no. so we, we should be fine <laughs> um but yeah I, I think clary must sit in the evenings and when she's finished the washing up when she's cleaned the kitchen floor then she sits in the chair and unlike most of us then goes to sleep she just must sit and watch strictly come dancing whilst knitting or listen to the archers perhaps oh i don't think she's i don't think she's in the demographic really clary <laughs> everybody's in the demographic for listening <laughs> yeah, to the archers. No, i agree so um as far as ferrets are concerned i mean it's an obsession with andrea right so our next call is rob williams Hi there, Jacqueline, Stephen, and Dumpsterdummers around the world. It's the other Rob speaking. And speaking of Mr. Titchener, I think it's time we got rid of him as the ultimate baddie and brought in somebody new. And the person I'm thinking of is... Ian. He has been a real swine lately. He was unashamedly throwing Stella under the bus... Adam was havering a bit and thinking, well, maybe he did have a wee bit of responsibility in the matter, which he did, and he should have been sharing the uh, the blame with her. But Ian seemed to be all for, oh, no, just uh, blame it all on her and we can get away with it. And then he, there was his behaviour with Eddie. I mean, it's a country fair, it's a bit of... Why is he going all nimby about having a ferret show next to him? I mean, he never thought about the uh, food ferret interface implications. He was just, I don't want him near me. It's too common. He really is going down in my estimation. And I'm not sure what anybody else thinks, but that's not the Ian I knew and loved. Okay, take care, everyone. See you soon. Bye. So, Ian, what do you think about him? He is acting a bit out of character. He's getting very devious i'm less bothered about the business with the ferrets and more with the way that he's being very much like lady macbeth in tempting adam to do the wrong thing Mm. to get back home farm so i think well i hope that he has his comeuppance in some form and as i said when brian sees reason and realizes that stella is the best farm manager he's going to have that it's going to have some sort of blowback on Ian. Yeah, I'm hoping that as well, because I felt that the thing with the ferrets and Ian was a bit of a vehicle for showing that Freddie was using initiative. Um, even if he lied to Eddie about the reason that he could had to keep the things in, his ca- in the cages, health, health and safety for ferrets. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Because of the, the birds nearby. But felt that was more to do with Freddie than to do with Ian and, and his reaction to Eddie. But yeah, Ian's disappointed me a lot this week. The last two weeks he's been slightly disappointing, but... It, then again, it's been lovely to have him back because we haven't heard from him for a while. That's true. And wasn't he a bit weird about when they were planning to have a, a baby and then there was this childhood friends of Ian who turned up and they were talking about her being involved in the in the pregnancy. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's got a bit of a track record. He's got an edge, for, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Unwise, being Acting unwisely, shall we say. Yeah. I agree. Thank you for your call, Rob. Next up, it's Will. We'll see who it is next up. Well, well, our Ian, who we've always liked, has turned out to be a snake, as Angela Dobbs said. Another tweet along her. It's Bernadette Hawkes, by the way. It's taken him years to show himself, and we've all been caught out. I'm going to speculate that all is not well in pizza van land. Perhaps Ian's having trouble with cash flow and is fed up with penny pinching, so he needs Adam to get a proper job. Hence his advice to keep Stum about Stella and the conversation about the drill. And then he and Adam could just slide back into Home Farm. Another character who seems to be acting out of character is Brian. He's opened up to Ardeal about his grief for Jenny Darling. It might be because he doesn't really know him, so it's safe to do that. There was a kind of revelation from Ardeal with his marriage status, but he was happy to let Brian do all the talking. However, later in the week, Ardell turned from being all carey and sherry to as cold as ice with Oliver. This behaviour has set quite a few of the tweet-alongers against him, although most people seem to be anti him from his first appearance in Ambridge. I say, watch this space. I think Ardell is one of the owners who hold the 60, 60%. The other character who seems to be having a personality change is Prof Jim. During the last couple of weeks, he's gone from a person with a razor-sharp mind to a doddery old man. Why are the SWs and SEs doing this to him? I do not understand. No doubt, all will be revealed in the fullness of time. Oh, by the way, Tony's acting strange too. <laughs> His level of anger has gone from naught to 60 in a couple of weeks. Of course we know why, but you know what? It's not like him. In summary, it's been a strange week in Ambridge. Well, no more strange than usual. So we talked a bit about Tony already, and I know that we've got another call that's going to pick up on Jim and his glass. Ardil. Let's talk about Ardil. Yes, let's talk about Ardil. What did you think about how he dealt with Oliver? I think it was a way of showing that he is a character who can have a strict... We know that he's pretty straight about things. Anyway, he's been quite straightforward with Linda and with Lillian and Justin. And uh, he can be a stickler for the right way to do things. I, th I felt that he was a bit harsh to begin with. And then I realised that actually, yeah, Oliver is forgetting that he's in a partnership and this is a business deal. And there's a brand new fittings, brand new setup in uh, Grey Gables. And what if something had happened? What if something had been, somebody had spilt their Bloody Mary over cream, new cream love seat or something, you know? Would Oliver have taken full responsibility for it? I guess so, yeah. But I think it was making the point. Yeah, I, so Ardil is effectively a representative for the majority shareholders and Oliver is now only a minority shareholder. But Oliver has been emotionally and personally invested in Grey Gables for so long. Mm. That's totally tied in with his relationship with Caroline and he bought Grey Gables because of Caroline. And I think that, well, I felt that Ardil was definitely getting a bit up himself in the way that he was lecturing Oliver as if he was a child. It's the sort of thing that would be inappropriate for Elizabeth to say to Freddie, but I felt that for Ardil to treat Oliver like that was just a, a bit unnecessary and it doesn't bode well for the longer term. We still don't know who these owners actually are. No, and that's one of those mysteries like the gills, isn't it, that's going to run and run. Well, my theory is it's the same mystery and that the owners are the gills. Ah, very good. Well, that might well be true. Um, the other, I felt it was a contrast seeing Ardil 
and Brian, hearing the conversation between Ardil and Brian at uh, Lower Loxley, and then the conversation with Ardil and Tracy learning about the the hen night, plus then the, the follow-up conversation with Oliver. It's very interesting to see these facets of him because he was obviously, uh, Brian took to him, said, no, don't go away, come come and have a cup of tea with me or whatever. So mm, very, very curious. Yeah. It was surprising to me that uh, Ardale had not met Brian yeah. before then because they'd been in the same village for quite a long time. You'd have thought they might have bumped in- into each other. I think they both used the, the village shop. So it was a bit odd that they hadn't met before. It was also a bit odd. They had that conversation, and we know that Ardale yeah. is a widower, but he didn't mention that to Brian. So he seemed to be talking to Brian from the position of a widower, but Brian might have thought it's a bit odd that this guy is being so empathetic to me, this guy who I've never met. Yeah. And he did say, tell me something about yourself. I've been banging on about myself. And I really just said, oh, I'm Grey Gables and that's it. And so didn't go into any personal details with somebody who just shared quite a lot of personal details about what's going on in his family. So, yeah, I felt it was a very unequal conversation. But it showed that Ardil is, uh, can be empathetic or sympathetic yes. or both i think em- both i think <laughs> right well we had better move on and here is another person who's not called in for a while but we're very glad to have him back it's christopher uh, hello everybody it's uh, christopher here i wasn't going to email i wasn't going to call in this week but I've, I've <laughs> i feel so strongly about this i apologize for any bad words that might come out um i lost my glasses quite recently actually uh, not for the first time. And can I tell you that nobody gave a flying monkeys. Nobody cared. Nobody helped me look. Nobody even commented when I told them about it. I just went to Specsavers and I got a new pair. And I can't understand why Jim could do the same. This is the worst plot in the history of the archers. <laughs> it, it really is drivel. And I just listened just now to the kind of big reveal with Susan in the shop, and that just made it even worse. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy storylines, generally speaking, that involve Jazzer and Jim, but this is pretty poor stuff. Anyway, while I'm on, absolutely appalled at Adam, and I don't even have to go back and listen again. I was tempted to go back and listen again, just in case I'd got it wrong. I don't need to. I've got it right. He did tell her to buy it, and she did. And I've always found Adam, like a lot of people, a pretty sort of tedious, banal character. But I did not think he was duplicitous. And I didn't think Ian was either. And he's even worse. A very poor show indeed. Which is not what we could say about about your own show. Which is very good. Um, So keep up the good work. Um, Cheerio. Well, again, as we were saying early on, it's amazing how when people are irritated, it really... yeah. Brings, brings them to the programme with some strong views. Yes. Def- that was a fantastic call. A br- brilliant call. Thank you, uh, Christopher, for, for calling in. Um, I agree. I think I think we were all irritated by the Jim Glasses storyline. I think we would draw a line under that one. Paul at Adam. He did. And, and have you been back, Stephen, or do you remember the conversation uh, when he bumped into Stella in the yard? I definitely remember the conversation. He didn't tell her to buy the drill, but he said you're in charge, you should make the decision. And Stella took that. Now, Stella should not possibly have taken that from Adam because Adam was no longer working at Home Farm, he was working at Bridge Farm, and he had no real authority. But I guess she took him as an expert on Brian and on what the family was going through at the time because obviously this was just after Jenny's death. Yes. So I think that she was entirely reasonable in her behaviour and and that's what she said on Friday to Brian. She explained what the situation was and then Adam went all dodgy about all that. Yeah, very dodgy. Very poor show, I agree with Christopher. Right, well, we better have another view on Brian from Brian's Biggest Fan. Yes. Hello, Dumpty Dummers, it's Q here. As many of you will know by now, I'm Brian's number one fan. I think he's a wonderful rounded character and superbly acted and well written for as well but after friday's episode Stephen on twitter laid the gauntlet down to me that uh, could i possibly defend brian's behavior and i can't i cannot uh, it was reprehensible the way he treated stella totally indefensible 
Some clever people on Twitter are suggesting maybe it's a, a ruse by Brian to suss out Adam as uh, as a liar. I I don't think it is. I, I think Brian's very much a blood is thicker than water man, and he's indicated he wants to get back in the driving seat at a home farm. So I think he's using this as an excuse to oust Stella, and I hope she takes him to the cleaners. So Brian has really gone down in my estimation. But um, I mean, I didn't think it was possible for Adam to fall lower in my estimation. I think he's utter dullard, dreary, dull, boring. You name it, sends me to sleep. But he <laughs> has really shown his colours. We knew he was a thief already he stole that money didn't he for electricity work at his home he stole the money from home farm now he's had poison poured into his ear by ian boo hiss and uh, he has uh, done the dirty on stella he's a complete devious liar as well so an absolutely appalling week for the aldridges i have to say slightly mediated by the fact there was a nice scene between brian and ardil but um Nah, for the rest of it, awful, awful. And please do not get me started on the nonsense that was the search for Jim's glasses. I thought it was going to become the new missing bunting. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's lovely to hear that everybody has disliked the story as much as us, Stephen, of the glasses. <laughs> That's true. But as far as Brian is concerned, if, if Brian hasn't got Quentin on his side, then he is in a really bad position. Absolutely. And I think we've already discussed the ins and outs of that part of the story. Yeah, I never thought I'd hear Quentin say that Brian was in his bad books. I thought he was an out-and-out blinkered fan, so let's let's see how this continues. Brian will be back next week, I'm sure. And so will Quinton, so they're given plenty of time to have come round by then. Of course, because he will be presenting. <laughs> right, now we have a first-time caller in Hooray! Hi, Steve here, a first-time caller in and a very recent listener to The Archers. I only really started listening about, about the start of this year. Calling in for the first time this, this week, inspired by one of last week's caller in who talked about Emma's assumptions about Scottish cooking and how she made fun of Jazza for only liking deep-fried Mars bars. My, my uh, observation question is, is that, is that just lazy writing by the writers of The Archers who have these blind spots about Scottish cooking and Scotland? Or is it really clever writing by the writers of the Archers who have written a well-rounded character in Emma who has these assumptions about Scotland. So I'm not really sure as a new listener which one it is and I'd really like to hear anyone's views on that. So thanks very much. And also really loving the podcast. So thanks. Bye. It happens that the calling question was either the one from Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, or from me and we took different sides on the question that Steve asks. I think, and I have the advantage of, of being here today when Jen is not, I think that it was the scriptwriters demonstrating Emma's character and that it was Emma as portrayed and not the scriptwriters who are using the lazy stereotypes. I know that Jen feels that not just with the description of Emma and the deep-fried Mars bars, but also with Jazza's long list of obscure Scottish dishes that this is the scriptwriters being lazy and I think we have to agree to disagree with each other on that point but I, I think that generally the scriptwriters do a really good job I don't think that they are lazy I don't think they stereotype things sometimes they have slightly weird ideas but I will always tend to start from the position that if something is coming across and lazy it's deliberate characterization and not actual laziness well my previous uh, regular partner in this podcast mr royfield brown always says nothing ever happens in the archers without a reason whether it's a character building a character forming reason or a future plot presentation and i agree with that and i i don't believe that it's lazy lazy writing but i do understand where jen's coming from jen's a, a scottish woman who has struggled throughout a whole adult life with the prejudices of people against us, their assumptions of Scottishness so and I, she has my full sympathy and I had a long conversation with her in the week and she explained the reasons why she's so offended by it and wow well, I'm, I'm a northern girl who went to university in London and suffered from the same kind of prejudices you know I was that northern girl to my tutor thank you very much Mr Brown he was also called Mr Brown as it happened but I, I believe that it's Emma and her prejudice, prejudices we should be spotting 
thing and her well emma's a bit of a bigot really in my view with a mother like that what else would she be exactly there you go that's it sorted that one anyway thank you very much for calling in steve do keep calling in do keep listening to the podcast and i hope that you continue to enjoy the archers you've missed only about 70 years of it so still got plenty of it to come (laughs) and now we're going to hear from Catherine. Hi everyone, it's Catherine. I'm on holiday with Kate, strangely, who's in uh, her room at the moment, getting ready to go out in New York City. It's been brilliant. It's 31 degrees here and it's just so much to see and do. So really lucky to have had this chance to come. Right, it's been a great week in the arches. I've been listening to it in the middle of the night here and trying to catch Kate up because she's a few weeks behind. I've loved the fact that it's been a lot of Brian this week. I thought Brian's conversation with Ardil was really sweet, despite the fact that Ardil talks every single line like he's a kind of chatbot, doesn't he? You know, those ones that you get on the Vodafone website. Can I help you with your inquiry? Really strange acting, but I like Ardil, actually. And I loved it that you told Oliver to stop being so wet. He's wet, Oliver, isn't he? I mean, I like him, but he is wet. And the business with the seed drill. Now, I was remembering before this all became more prominent that Justin and Stella knew each other before. And when she was appointed, I think we were all discussing that there was some kind of angle they had. Did they have a meal, a coffee, a conversation that gave us the idea they were going to plot against Brian, maybe to get land or something? And so I think now Brian's been such a cock, hasn't he, about this seed drill. And Adam, oh, oh. Could we dislike him any more? <laughs> I can't believe he has a single friend, this character. Just old Ian and his pizza van. It, he's so odious. We all had this experience, haven't we? Let down by somebody. And we know they're patently lying. Very irritating. So I think Justin and Stella are going to absolutely screw Brian over. Maybe Brian wants to retire. I don't know. Isn't he married to Shula in real life? He's gone off and maybe he's going to retire as well. And that's it. But I love Brian and I really hope there's more Brian and him getting furious next week. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the sunshine. There's been a lot of conversations on Twitter and on Facebook about the past relationship between Stella and Justin. And so I think it's worth just reminding ourselves what actually happened. Shortly after Stella arrived, Justin invited her to lunch in some posh pub on the far side of Borchester. Clearly didn't want Brian to know how well Justin knew Stella. Stella went along and was clearly quite reluctant, and rightly so, because it was obvious that Justin's aim in taking her out to lunch was to persuade her to pass him sensitive financial information about Home Farm, especially about the contract that Home Farm had with Borchester Land to farm the estate, which was up for renewal. And Justin obviously wanted to drive the price of that contract down. In fact, what happened was that in the Borchester Land meeting that followed, Stella managed to get Justin and Martin Gibson fighting with each other. Mm. And as a result, they sailed through with the contract remaining at the same price that it was before. And towards the end of that meeting, Brian revealed to Justin that Stella had told him that they knew each other and that, therefore, Stella was being completely loyal to Home Farm. And this is one of the reasons, I think, that Brian's behaviour is so disappointing in that Stella has been totally loyal to Home Farm all the way through and nothing underhand. So I I don't think that she's going to go back to Justin and stitch up Brian. I think she's just going to fight fight her corner. I think she'll stick to fighting for herself and I I hope she drags the, uh, Catherine says, the odious Adam into it big time because he needs to learn that he can't go around misdirecting because he basically lied in that meeting to me because he's almost denying having any kind of conversation. He didn't deny that. He always, I know he, he said that they'd had a conversation but he didn't say buy it but as far as i can remember just go ahead stella is what he said so yes mm. absolutely so very oh nice to be a teacher half term in new york (laughs) it is it is and it's a fun place to go with a girlfriend especially and we've had previously calls from kate and Catherine on uh, nights out so uh, maybe they'll send in another call (laughs) together we'll see and maybe philip and quentin will have to deal with that one (laughs) and now i think we come to our final call hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs mercy 
Greetings, Dumpty Dummers. It's Witherspoon here without Angus, and I'm in Buffalo, New York for my medical school 40th reunion, and I'm here with a very special guest who is a regular on our Facebook page, but has been a little too shy to call her in all this time, and it is Pat Ralph Hanavan. And Pat and I go way back, 40-plus years, because her husband Bill and I were medical school classmates. But we're here together, and we always love seeing each other. So I'm going to introduce you to Pat today, who will overcome her shyness about speaking. So here is Pat. I'm filling in for Agus Haggis the best I can, but I have Witherspoon to thank for putting me on to both The Archers and Dumpty Dum in about 2017. So that's mm-hmm. my that's my vintage. Now, Pat has something to say about both Freddie and Adam this week. So take it over. I'm your volunteer to throttle the both of them. I'll settle for just a good shake of Freddy and tell him to stop behaving like a child if he wants to be treated like an adult. Adam is beyond the pale now, so I I won't do what I I won't volunteer to do what I think he deserves. <laughs> but all not approved by Witherspoon professionally, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I happen to agree totally with what Pat said. Freddie was acting like a child and, and does need someone to shake him. And I'm so disappointed in Adam. Yes, I'm sure there'll be lots of discussion about it, uh, but I'll leave it here. Freddie. Freddie, yes. Mm, uh, Freddie is a very irritating little boy, and uh, I agree with Pat completely, and with a spin, I know he feels the same. What? Acting like a child doesn't get you treated like an adult. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. But it was really good to hear from Pat. She's been very active on the Facebook page, and so I'm, I'm glad she's been persuaded to at least share a call in, and I'm, I'm hoping we'll get more calls from her in the future yeah, absolutely so Pat, yeah do call in uh, we'd love to hear you say the sorts of things that you've been putting onto facebook i love all these connections with a spoon and pat being very old friends and meeting up for medical school reunions and stuff so um i like uh, this is one of the things i love about la dumpty dum it's a family it really is a family good community stuff it's a family but it welcomes new people in. absolutely <laughs> we're not the oldridges are we We're certainly not the (laughs) Aldridge's. Right, that's all our calls. Now let's hear what people have been talking about on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page with our Sue. Hello, my lovelies. So it's Sue, Queen of Tart here, and the first week in June. How time is flying. I wish more than anything I could be at the Hay Festival and listen to the Archers team in the marquee. I hope that Nicola McIntyre and Philippa will be able to give us a rundown on what happened. Helen Hughes shared a calendar for the 30 Days Wild Happenings in June, which Tracy and Harrison were talking about on Thursday, and also a picture of the jigsaw puzzle she completed. Serious value for a pound. Rob Williams asked if Adam could throw Stella any further under the bus over the drill, and Pam Delay said, we will ask him, but right now, having thrown her under the bus, Adam is busy repeating the reversing over Stella. Like an incredibly unsexy and very boring Ambridgian. Ambridgianian? I'm not quite sure how you say that. Tommy Lee Royce, who, who is the big bad guy in Happy Valley, for those who don't know. Susan de la Mare said, What many of us are thinking. Adam, you're lying. You said you're in charge. It was perfectly clear he'd given her the go-ahead. Whereas Bonnie McLean disagreed. She kept banging on about it like a kid plucking the last nerve over and over and over, refusing to be denied. I had flashbacks of, Mom, Mom, Mommy, please, Mom, Mom. But Brian told her he would think it over, and it was down to him. She is a manager, not the owner of the farm. Maria Blum said, I disagree. She wanted to ask Brian and Adam told her no need and authorised her. Sounds like this one is going to run and run. Two articles in the Telegraph have been referenced. Louise Lawson shared them. The first was Sybil Rusco, the Archer's new farming and countryside advisor. The Archer's has to change. We want to remain relevant. The second was Andrew Wincott talking about being Adam. Sadly, many of us couldn't read the content as we wouldn't give money to the Telegraph. Teresa Nahajiski, I think, was looking at the cover picture and said, that pose is very Adam, gazing pessimistically into the future when Brian's will leaves it all to Rory. 
Rob Williams harked back to the midweek Lower Loxley post-May Bank holiday weekend fest <laughs> and said, ferret pizza, I'd try it. Peter Bradford asked, with pepperoni down your trousers, and our Lillian McCarthy was having spag bol, whilst Rob was cooking faggots, which for the benefit of our overseas listeners, are meatballs made from minced offcuts and offal, especially pork and traditionally pig's heart, liver and fatty belly meat or bacon mixed with herbs and nothing else. Andrew 12 said she was listening to a patented podcast about fonts and about 27 minutes in, they discussed the type of font affects the perception of a cheese. So is Borchester Blue a jagged font to signify sharp? Or is that for the cheesemaker? Or a rounded font for a soft, rounded cheese? Robbie Williams, who is clearly having a splendid week, said maybe a stabby font for when it's used with tuna casserole. <laughs> and finally, Christopher and Hilary Sanderson just made the journey from Brittany, where they had a good catch-up with Jacqueline, to the shores of Lake Constant. When they realised how close they would be to the town, they had to make a small archers-related detour to Montbelliard, where Jacqueline buys her sausages. Are they all beef sausages? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> well, if you've not been to the Facebook page lately, come on in, join in the chat. We love having new people join in and established people coming back. Please remember to be kind to each other. We're all feeling the stress of the world right now, so play nicely. Stay safe, my lovelies, till the next one. Right. Thank you to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. And now it's time to welcome the new members to that group. Yes, a very warm welcome to Mary Finn. Mazzy Moo. Sarah Dre. And Andrew Smith. And I, th I think we had one email in this week. Yeah, we received an email from Helen. Well, that, that Helen. Uh, I'm assuming it's not that Helen or that Rob. I'll read the email before I make a comment about it. Hello to all dumpty dummers. One of your calls resonated with me last week from a lady talking about people going or not going to the gym. This has crossed my mind before. As a fitness instructor, instructor, I feel that at least a few people in the village would go to the gym regularly or maybe indeed a body pump, spin or Zumba class. Maybe when Grey Gables opens back up, it will have a state-of-the-art gym where we will hear Lillian and Linda chatting whilst on the treadmill. Uh, she puts a little emoji in there, which is a hilarious emoji. Have a great week, everyone, and keep active. From Helen. We did touch on this when I talked with Julia last week. When I was in Birmingham, we talk, I talked about uh, leisure activities, including the gym not being there anymore and nobody ever running. You never see hear of anybody going for a jog in uh, Ambridge. No, that's, that's surprising. There was the health club at Grey Gables, which presumably wasn't affected by the fire. So maybe that's being renovated along with everything else. Maybe that's why the whole thing's taking so long. Yeah, but the whole, whole of Grey Gables, the whole establishment was shut down, which I'm assuming includes the golf club but we don't hear much about the golf club these days no i think the golf club may be slightly separate it's right. got a separate building that it, that it runs from so i think that because the, if a golf club closes the members kick up a huge fuss and and moan about not being able to play golf mm. so i suspect that the golf club is still running but the health club at gray gables yeah. where kirsty used to work and which kathy used to manage mm is probably out of action at the moment. Yeah, but I, I always, I'm always surprised that nobody in Ambridge plays golf when there's a golf club on the, on the on the doorstep. Here, you have to travel about 45 kilometres to find a golf club. Maybe they just don't talk about it. Uh, well, that's always the thing with Ambridge, isn't it? <laughs> so from Facebook, we're going to move on to Twitter, and we will see what Theo, our purple champion, has found to entertain us on Twitter this week with her Tweets of the Week. Hello, Jacqueline, Stephen and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Twitter, there were a number of suggestions for fun activities with ferrets, including ferret roulette and ferret rugby, which has a great little video. Thanks to Ambridge Pony Club for getting that going. And thanks also to Ninesy for a thread about which famous Scottish actors might make cameo appearances as Jazz's family for the wedding. I also very much admired this tweet on June the 1st from Michael Rhodes, at MIG Rhodes, brought to our attention by Richard Beveridge, at Biffoprop. Celebrating his 70th birthday today, the actor Tim Bentink, more formally the 12th Earl of Portland, Viscount Woodstock, Baron Sirencester, and a mediatised Count of the Holy Roman Empire, best known for his long-running role as David Archer in the BBC Radio 4 series The Archers. 
Happy birthday, Tim. And now to my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Sarah Mattox, at Sarah underscore Mattox. I wonder if Stella could sue Adam to hand over all his WhatsApp messages unredacted. The silver medal goes to someone I hesitate to encourage, one Rob Titchener, at Titchener R, who says, I've instructed my solicitors to fight the case, mainly on the fact that Helen is a wet lettuce. (laughs) And the gold medal this week, by way of restitution, goes to Nick, at Check Your Sheds, who says... I think the Helen and Rob story really shows the importance of putting your back into it when stabbing your husband. (laughs) It avoids so many future problems. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next time. Oh, thank you for that, Theo. And congratulations to all of those who are mentioned in Purple Pumpkins Roundup, but especially those medal winners in bronze at Sarah underscore Mattox, in silver at Tichenor R, in gold, Nick at Check Your Sheds. I particularly like the gold medal winner. (laughs) I'll remember that in the future. As you know, we are on Twitter. You can find us at DumTDum, where you can join in the tweet-along fun by using the hashtag TheArchers, with a capital T and a capital A, which helps those using machine readers to join the fun. I can be found on Twitter as at WenlockHouse. How about you, Jacqueline? Yep, I'm there. I'm at JBertoSanguen. Don't forget we are on Instagram, at DumTDum which is run by the very lovely Katie, so do follow us there. I should quite like it if we post things that are vaguely relevant to the Archers and to Dumpty Dum with the hashtag at Dumpty Dum. It remains just to say thank you as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos. As ever, we also thank Shambridge for her voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.